Hey everybody, I'm Jay Worthy and this is the podcast for anyone trying to inject some adventure, purpose and balance into their lives. 28 Summers is all about living life adventurously, seizing the moment and optimising your life. In this second season of 28 Summers, I'm building upon those messages in season one with the help of a series of awesome guests who are all, in their own individual ways, living life to the full, following their passions and living an adventurous life every day. My guest today is Jen Gale. Jen is a visionary, someone who believes that every one of us can make a difference. She believes we all have the power to change the world. Her journey started with a simple but bold promise, Jen and her family spent a whole year buying nothing new, challenging their own beliefs on the things they needed and where they might be able to source them in a more sustainable way. Having trained and worked originally as a vet, Jen now finds herself helping others start their own sustainability journeys. Through her relaxed, zero-judgment style, she helps people take one baby step at a time and not to get too bogged down about being perfectly sustainable. I really enjoyed this conversation and you'll hear in it, I treat it a bit like a coaching session. I took so many tips away from this discussion. I really, really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Jen, welcome to the 28 Summers podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I've got to say, first off, what I, what you're doing, I think, is absolutely awesome. We're a big fan of yours in our house. We have your book uh, and we got it at Christmas. I heard your, your story and a bit about you before Christmas. So I got the book for the family and we absolutely love what you're doing. Uh, and I think that the reason that we love it so much, I mean, there's obviously a lot of very simple advice in there, but you've got this kind of imperfectly green hashtag, which we really love. So I wanted to start off with both a welcome and a thank you, because we love what you're doing. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And thank you for your lovely words. And no worries. So let's start with that imperfectly green uh, hashtag and, and even the name Sustainablish. I think it was wonderful for us because we had some of that residual guilt that we just weren't doing enough and that we were making good choices, but not always great choices. Um, you know, is that really, is that a good way of summing up what you do? Yeah, so I talk about when we when we know better, we want to do better, don't we? So we, um, I've been sort of talking to old school friends and things recently and saying, you know, look, are you worried about this? Are you worried about the climate crisis? And them saying, well, you know, I kind of vaguely remember some stuff from school and, um, and it feels like a little bit, um, there's, I've got this membership called the Knackered Mums Club and we did a, um, a, a presentation I did a talk for them in January about about the climate crisis and the sort of science of it and things and and they were like what why aren't why isn't everyone like running around screaming about this and I feel like to a certain extent we either um sort of don't know or we're choosing to look away a little bit um but as you say once once we sort of do know and we want to do better but then and we have this responsibility almost I feel if we're in the situation and we have the um uh kind of um lifestyle that means we can make these changes then we have a responsibility to make these changes but then that feels like oh my god I can't make any decision without sort of um you know diving into it and dissecting it and working out what's exactly the right decision to make and of course that's completely paralyzing so it's not about making the right decision every single time because there is no right decision a lot of the time um it's about making better choices more of the time Really. That's so powerful to me because I think one of the other things is this this notion that once we sign up to something that we believe in, 
we feel a bit like we're being a hypocrite if we then do something mm. that contradicts that. And you don't want to feel that yeah. way because we are trying to make the right decisions. I think there's, there's a lot of uh, refreshing honesty in your work. And, and uh, one of the things I really like is when you're very open about decisions you've had to make for convenience. I think that's, that's really important for people to understand that. I love the phrase, when we know better, we want to do better, mm. because that is true, right? But also not making it this mammoth, mammoth thing that you just can't affect. And I've heard so many people say, um, well, what's the point? You know, I, I'll do it, but what's the point? Do you hear that a lot as well? Yeah, really interestingly, we just had a thread in in um in the Nakedom Zico Club over the weekend, one of the uh, we have a book club, and one of the and the book that we're reading is called No Planet B by um, Mike Berners Lee. And uh, one of the Nakedom mums was reading it. She was like, "Is anybody else just freaking out and struggling with the fact that they're just one person?" And um, and it was so lovely actually to see all the replies coming in from people saying, "Actually, yes, you are just one person, but actually we're part of this." this club and and so that makes us bigger and there's all those other people making changes as well and um but I remember because our our journey sort of started with this year buying nothing new and I remember I distinctly remember like halfway through just sitting there going what what am I doing like why you know we are just one I'm just one person we're just one family like these issues are so big so complex how can we possibly make a difference what I get that whole you know once you know you can't unlearn it you can't just pretend or I can't certainly pretend that I don't know anymore and carry on sort of regardless. Um, so I feel like I just couldn't, even if I didn't think I was making a difference, I couldn't just go back to doing what I was doing um, and, and pretend that that was okay and feel okay with that myself. Um, and then um, this idea that actually, even though we are one person and the only person whose actions I can control are mine, you know, not even my kids doing homeschooling and things like that. Um, but actually, when we when we when we make a change or we take action, unknowingly sometimes we create these ripples. So it it is that thing of you know dropping a pebble into a pond, and we're creating these ripples. And one of the things we've really really been talking about in the Nakedom's Eco Club this month is is this idea of amplifying our own actions by by having those conversations with people. Because I think very often, and I I'm very guilty of doing this. We um, we back away from having those conversations because we don't want to be judged. We don't want other people to feel like we're judging them. Um, and, you know, we don't want to annoy people or um, so, so we kind of back away from having those conversations, whereas actually there's a very positive way of doing it. And social media is brilliant because you can just go, Oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, I, uh, that changing my energy supply was such a, a huge thing to do. And God, it was really easy. And you're not telling every, anyone off. You're not judging anyone else. You're just saying, this is what I've done. It's amazing. And it's easy. And we're creating these ripples. And, um, you know, the, the Chris Packham, I think said last year in something he was doing that, that as individuals, actually, we have a huge amount of power, both in the choices that we make. So the choices that we make at the checkout or the things that we choose not to buy sometimes, um, but also in our voices. So once we get started, you know, we learn some stuff, we start doing some of this low hanging fruit, some nice, easy stuff, we feel empowered. And then maybe we feel brave enough to tweet a manufacturer or a supplier about their plastic packaging or to tweet our MP and go, oh, I heard this bill was coming up. Can you tell me what your thoughts are on this? Or So it's, it is this muscle that you can develop and um you know we get do more and more and get braver and braver and then you can take the things that you're doing into your workplace or into your school or into and this is how these things kind of amplify and get bigger so um yes I do hear that a lot and um obviously we need everybody on board we need 
also everybody's an individual can you imagine if Trump believed in um you know believed in climate change and was and this was his kind of personal mission to to make a difference with this um can you imagine if the CEO of BP suddenly was like oh my god like what am I doing we need to transform this whole company um so taking personal responsibility for our decisions in our households and in our communities and our workplaces as well is huge sorry that was a really really long answer <laughs> no please don't apologize it was absolutely amazing it's an amazing answer and there's so many things that i want to say back to it and, and i want this to be about you but i just must tell you a couple of things first of all i absolutely loved it in your book where you you made that connection because i think a lot of people say uh well i'm only one person as we just mm. discussed but you, I think, beautifully articulate that everybody's only one person. Barack Obama yeah. was only one person. Boris Johnson is only one person. And they are all capable of leading change. And, and I think that's beautiful and absolutely right. Um, and the other thing is the, the kind of the genesis that you just laid out, where somebody kind of ventures into it slowly and starts to get their confidence and starts to then ask themselves and others around them challenging questions is exactly what happened with, with my wife. Um, she started to learn more about what was happening in the world and started to really question what we were buying, which again is another interesting thing because I know you talk a lot about, about that, which I'll touch on in a moment with you. But then it started to affect the entire family and started causing us all, myself included, to ask ourselves questions about what we were doing. And it's just, it's grown and grown and grown. And it's never felt, uh, it's never felt menacing because it wasn't just this landslide, we've got to change yes. everything today. It was just bit by bit. And she sat down just at the weekend with my daughter who wanted to order something. And she said to her, well, where's it, where's it being made? And my daughter said, I don't mm. know. Well, where's it coming from? I don't know. She said, well, go and find those things out and find out if there's anyone you can buy it from here in the Amazing. UK. And also ask yourself, do you really need it? And I just thought that was, it was mm. beautiful to see because she was educating her and sharing that message. And, it, and it's all because of messages like the ones you've been sharing. And I think that's so important with um, not only with our children, but with the our friends and family as well. In that, So your wife's just done that brilliantly because she's not said to her, no, you can't have that. In which, you know, whereas automatically you're like, oh, well, I, I really want that. So why shouldn't I have it? She's just she's just asked the questions. And then your daughter can come to her own decision as to do, do I want that enough? Now I know where it's coming from and where it's been made and all that. Um, and And but we don't we live in such a world of convenience and um you know especially i think with all the lockdowns and things we've all just um amazon is just so easy isn't it you just like you want it or you 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 need it so you go on amazon it's there you can get it next day and we don't even sort of stop to think like well exactly those questions who's made this where has it been made where's it come from what's it been made from what am i going to do with it after i no longer want it you know and people will sort of say they're ordering on amazon and it's arriving the next day and they've forgotten they've ordered it like that's how um sort of unwanted these things are or unthought through these things are a lot of the time and, and it's amazing as well how many things you don't know, right, that, that, mm. I, that have never occurred. So I'll give you an example. Just yesterday, I had an item of clothing that had a, a tear in it. And I said to my wife, what do, I, what do I do with that? I mean, you don't put it in the clothes bank because nobody wants it. But if I put it mm. in the green bin, it's going to go in the landfill. So, mm -hmm. and I don't actually know the answer, but I, I mean, you're probably going to tell me. But, <laughs> but um, You can have a go at mending it. Well, that's Depends true. Depends how bad the tear is. It's pretty yeah. bad. It's pretty bad. But, <laughs> but I think that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it started to bubble up these questions that I, I, 
you can either be embarrassed that you've never asked them before or just realize that you need to ask them and you need to answer them and then change the way you you behave and there's no such thing as a stupid question I say this all the time um you know please don't be embarrassed because you, you can't change what you don't know so you know if we if we don't know then there's you can't feel guilty for the fact that you haven't done it but now you do know then you can start to think about some better choices that you can make yeah so this whole story for you really started with uh, one year, nothing new. Where did that idea come from? Do you know what? I, I'm I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs> Everyone else with this and I'm like, mm, I, don't. I remember the kids were really little. The kids were like three and one. Um, and I read an article by a lady who was doing her own. She was doing it. She called it her secondhand safari. So this year buying nothing new. And I think I'd probably just discovered um, sort of free cycle and free goal, which um, for anyone who hasn't come across them are these um, sort of online platforms that connect you with people locally who have stuff that they no longer need or want, or you can list your stuff on there that you no longer need or want. And it all exchanges hands free. Um, and I, and I just sort of was like, Oh, I wonder how much we could source secondhand and things. And then I saw this lady was doing it. Um, but I also remember as well having um, being in the chops with the kids and the my then three year old in a typical you know toddler slash preschooler just wanted all the things you know they just want all the bright shiny new things and just thinking like wow he's already tuned into that you know more is better new is better and in hindsight it probably you know it's I don't know what the evolutionary advantage of it is but it seems to be normal toddler behaviour but um, it was it sort of quite shocked me. Um, so I think it was a combination of those two things together and, um, yeah, just a, a sort of, and I'm someone who has a lot of amazing ideas in air quotes. So, um, you know, I will have all these ideas and then there are very few that I follow through on, but for some reason this one stuck. Well, I was, I was going to ask you that because it's, uh, I mean, we all, every, every, every year, most people decide they're going to do something and the stats are pretty sobering how few people actually get past kind of February. Right. So how, were there some ups and downs? Were there some, there were clearly some moments where you thought, why am I doing this? Yeah. But did you find it got easier towards the end of the year or did it get harder towards the end of the year? I think the whole challenge was much easier than I thought it was going to be in terms of finding the things that we needed. Um, I wasn't sort of brought up, some people are brought up to sort of, um, you know, shop in charity shops and a very sort of thrifty up bringing and stuff and I uh, my upbringing wasn't like that and my dad was like why are you going into charity shops like he just couldn't get it um and uh, so for us it was you know it was a sort of quite a big um step but actually the once you start to look really look open your eyes and look there is so much stuff out there secondhand and, and almost to sort of scary that all this stuff has been produced and used once and then gone gone on to um you know to be no longer wanted and um, so that part of it was really easy probably one I randomly decided well I was going to blog about the year and then I randomly decided quite early on I was going to blog every day for the year so that was actually the hardest thing with two two kids at home um but also I mean there were things like we did a trip up to see my father-in-law who's up in Scotland and we drove up there and ordinary and I, I find packing quite stressful trying to think about like making sure you've got everything and covering all eventualities for the British weather and things and um and just thinking and normally I'm like well it doesn't matter if we've forgotten something we can just go to the nearest big supermarket and pick up you know memorably I've forgotten shorts or towels or um and uh, and then thinking oh my god like no we won't be able to do that we'll we'll be in a strange town where we won't know the charity shops we won't know where the charity shops are we've got to hope that the thing is there in the charity shops and that was a real wake-up call as to how much we rely on this kind of 
safety net almost of, of consumerism and, and things just being there ready to buy and pretty cheaply as well. And, and you know, now you say that, I'm, I'm so guilty of that. We'll go somewhere or we'll be packing for something, you know, pre-COVID, those amazing things called yeah. holiday. Nobody remembers now because nobody can have them. But I, I'm, I'm always guilty of saying to my, well, if we forget something, we'll just, we'll just buy it. Mm. So yeah, that, really, that really resonates with me. <laughs> Um, and what, what point during the journey did you decide that, that there's something more than just a blog here and I want to write a book and I want to dedicate more of my life to this? That it was a really conscious decision. Lots of people said to me after the, the year ended, you know, you ought to write a book about it. And I discovered actually because I used to be a vet. So obviously my A-levels and things were all very science based. And I um, so I sort of stopped writing and do and actually realizing I really enjoyed writing and that it was quite a nice sort of creative outlet almost and that I was um, able somehow to communicate with people and people seemed to resonate with what I was saying Um, but then I I had no idea I mean like why would you have any idea about how you go about writing a book and getting it published and um, it was a bit of a dark art and I did a talk in 2015 I think at Bristol Festival of Nature and um, was approached by an agent after that her husband had been an um, listened to the talk and she said have you ever wanted to you know thought about writing a book and I was like yes I have yes um so uh we it but it was a it was a long old process you know I um she walked me through how to put together a proposal to send out to publishers and um and the first iteration was almost kind of a memoir of that that year um and it had a bit of interest but nothing really and I had a bit of a sulk about it and then um a couple of years no, and then and then I think in 2018 I was like, no, I really want to write this book. Um, put together the proposal, you know, revamped the proposal. It went out again and had an offer from Bloomsbury. When was that? Um, sort of September, October time, 2018. Um, so yeah, it's a really long, drawn out, agonising process. I'm sure other people's um, experiences might be different, but for me, it was quite a long, um, a long old process. That's really inspirational, though. I know, I know. I'm so I, I write a lot as well, so I know that there's always that kind of residual dream in the back of your mind that you might publish something but I but I have heard how difficult a process it is so I can imagine that was difficult so were you all that time were you still working as a vet so I stopped practicing 2015 2016 I think um I never really enjoyed it if I'm really honest I always found it really stressful um went back sort of very part-time um after after having our second and just reached a point where I was like, I either need to like stop whinging about this and get on and, you know, suck it up and, and do it as well as I can, or I need to, you know, move on and try something else. And I went with the move on and try something else option. That's great. Cause I, one of the, one of the things that I was going to say to you is that this podcast, you know, has, has uh, a focus on living adventurously. And I think a lot of people default to, oh, that means climbing mountains or rowing oceans or, you know, achieving firsts around the world and mm, being mm. an explorer. And actually for me, uh, living adventurously is actually more about mindset and how you utilize time than it is about the actual things that you do. So it's less about kind of gaining technical mastery of some, you know, amazing extreme sport mm. or activity and more about being aware that you have an, a, a certain amount of time here and how do you want to spend your time? Do you want to spend it in a job that you hate or you find stressful or do you want to spend it pursuing your calling whatever that may be so when I heard your story I said to my wife 
I'm going to try and get Jen on the podcast because I, I think it's perfect. It is the it, for me, it's the perfect epitome of living adventurously. Is saying I don't like what I'm doing for my job today, and I want to change that. So, and you followed your calling. So I, I love that. I will just um, sort of catch that by by saying I was in a, a really fortunate position in that we didn't need need my income. Um, you know, um, it was it was a sort of added extra nice to have. So I, you know, had I been single and and my income was the one that was paying the mortgage and all those sorts of things, I think that would have probably been a much more difficult decision to make. Um, and the whole sort of monetization and generating income out of what I'm doing has been a very slow tortuous process as well <laughs> i can imagine because it started out essentially as a free blog and then a bit work and i know you've been able to build a you know business around I'd love to talk a bit more about that but but i agree with that point and and i should i should kind of reinforce what i was saying i i i totally understand that not everybody is lucky enough to be able to say i'm going to stop doing this and start doing this but i don't think it also needs to be that binary no you can start doing something because i mean i was i was doing the blog whilst you know, whilst working, um, like I said, very part-time, but I was still working. I was working weekends um, and obviously had the kids at home and that sort of thing. So, you know, if you have something that you are passionate about, you can pursue it. There's a there's a great um, website, isn't there, I think called the five to nine. So the idea, you know, that we go and do the nine to five and then the five to nine is the thing that we are sort of passionate and the thing that we're wanting to build up. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, and I think, uh, I always say to people as well, if you if you just start doing things that you love, following your calling, even if you can't afford to leave your day job, I totally understand that. You will, you'll be amazed at how transformational that is, it's just in terms of your mindset and your well-being, positivity, but also, uh, you know, opens up opportunities for you. When you start to put yourself in those spaces, you start to connect with other people that like those things opportunities present themselves and so it can be really transformational and I think you know just just sometimes letting go of the end result of not not knowing so you know I did that year buying nothing new and you know obviously when you I mean this was like 2012 2013 blogging was still quite um it wasn't new but you know there were um and just thinking I'd you know yes I'd love to get featured in the national press and um, I'd obviously I'd love to get a book deal but actually I'm just going to say yes to every opportunity that comes along and see what happens and it might be that that life's plans for you aren't what your plans would be but if you'd never start because you think well I'd never be able to make an income out of that I'd never be able to make a living out of that you just never know you you know you will stay the only thing that's guaranteed is you'll stay where you are so you might as well have a go I, I think it's you're spot on. I was talking uh, with my wife and kids at the weekend about, you know, Joe Wicks. Joe, if you, if you, the Joe Wicks story is the perfect example of that. He's got 4 million followers. And you know, once upon a time he had, you know, 50 and he was doing boot camp in the park yeah. at 6am and nobody turned up. And, and so, you know, it's all about and, and you know, resilience and tenacity. So yeah, but I love I love your story, and and I think the book's wonderful. I already talked about that. One of the things that I saw in the book, which was really interesting to me, was you you talked about a very large I can't remember the number, but a very large percentage of household buying decisions being made by stressed, busy mums. And you talked about the the knackered mums group. But um, that's really fascinating to me. Uh, and do you I, is that your target market, or do you think that the the book and what you do speaks to a much wider audience? Um. The book was deliberately aimed, you know, working with the publishers at Bloomsbury, with my editor at Bloomsbury, the, you know, the idea is it's accessible to as many people as possible and that it's quite, it's a, a sort of mainstream book. Um, 
I mean, personally, I really enjoy working with kind of other knackered mums just because that's who I can relate to and I understand the juggle and everything else that's going on. Um, it's interesting. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and, and this this thing about the sort of um, the gender get split, I guess, in, in sort of sustainability. And from, from where I'm sitting, it feels very female um, driven and very sort of female led, um, especially when we're talking about sustainable living and sustainability in the home. Um, and I think that is because, you know, as, as depressing as it is that we're in 2021 and, and it's still largely the um, either the primary caregiver or the, you know, the wife and mum's role to be doing the the household stuff so therefore we are responsible for what people are wearing what we're all eating what what we're cleaning the loo with do you know but also I think that probably um and you'll probably be able to speak to this better there's there's significantly more women than men on social media so because I you know a lot of my content and um, my platform is social media driven obviously that kind of um is is sort of with women so I think my big Facebook group which has got sort of 17,000 people in that's probably 95% women um so yeah but it's interesting but then I think there are men in sustainability um but they tend to do it more as their job and their career right there's a sweeping broad generalizations and I'm sure people are going to call me out on them but that's kind of my perception from where I sit no I but I still th- I think it's really interesting I, I definitely definitely uh understand what you're saying and I wondered as I was reading it whether you know, those 17,000 knackered mums that you've got together. I mean, it's a, that's a wonderful community. That's a good size. And it's also really nice to hear that they're supporting each other and answering each other on the post. Do you think that that group of people at the start felt empowered to make these changes? Or is that part of what the group brings is that it helps people to understand those people to understand that they they have the power to change quite a lot? It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think by the very fact that you get that you go and join a, a green or a sustainable group, um, you're already kind of at least curious, aren't you? Um, one of the issues that I have and one of the things I really want to sort of focus on in 2021 is this idea of um, preaching to the choir. Do you know um, that there is this very much sort of eco echo chamber? Um, you know, I'm very aware that I have a social media bubble around me and and but that actually we really need to reach those people who are like oh this doesn't sound great this climate crisis thing but actually I feel too overwhelmed too too disempowered to to do anything about it and those are the people that we need to pull in and I think that's why um I started the Knackered Mums Eco Club in that there I my perception is that there'll be a lot of people, you know, mums at the school gate who I would have, you know, in, in normal times seen in the playground and that sort of thing, who probably are worried if I say to them, if I bounce up to them and say, are you worried about the climate crisis? They would probably say yes, um, but don't really know what to do and wouldn't really come and join a green group or a sustainable group. Wouldn't, wouldn't because there's so many stereotypes, aren't there, around kind of green living and, and that very sort of hippie-ish stereotype um, that they wouldn't think, well, I, I don't see myself there. But actually, if we can talk about knackered mum's making these changes oh god yeah you know I'm absolutely shattered and I can and if they're doing it then maybe I can do it as well so that was um the sort of reasoning behind starting that last year and what um what are some I don't want you to to give away too much from the book because I really want people to 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 go and buy it because I think they'll get tons out of it but what are you what are some of your top tips for newbies you know maybe two or three things that you suggest everybody oh, thinks yeah about? um 
So um, change, I mentioned it briefly earlier, change your energy supplier. So if you can change your energy supplier to a renewable tariff, um, even if you're in rented property, if you're the one paying the bills, you should be able to choose who your energy supplier is. Um, if you want the greenest of green, then the two companies in the UK to pick from are Ecotricity and Good Energy. Um, but they might be a bit more expensive than your standard bill. Um, if you're on a budget, if you head over to Big Clean Switch, um, bigcleanswitch.org, I think it is, um, and they're an energy they're an energy comparison site, and they just list renewable tariffs. Um, and so you just grab a recent bill, so you get an accurate quote, put in your details, it gives you the quote, pick the one you like best, and you hit switch. Like you can literally do it in an ad break, you know, if you're organised. And um, because I think it's one of those things we put in the too hard pile, don't we? Because it feels a bit like it's boring and it's dull and it's grown up. And um, but actually, it's really simple, um, really easy to do, and it could save you money as well. So that is my absolute kind of top. Um, please go and do that. You know, pause the podcast and go and do that now, um, because it's really, really impactful. It it could, according to Bulb, who are one of the um, renewable suppliers, it could slash your carbon footprint by a quarter. Um, so our average carbon footprint in the UK is around nine or 10 tonnes of carbon. And, and I think uh, um, a lot of people might start zoning out at this point. Don't zone out. It's not complicated. And we need to get it down to about two and a half tonnes by 2030, our individual carbon footprints. So you can take a massive chunk off that in like 10 minutes by um, by doing that. So, yeah, that's a really, really big one. Um Food and food waste is another really big area that, that we as individuals can have an impact on. So traditionally, when we talk about food, we're recording this in January. So it's veganuary and things. One of my you know, confessions of a knackered mum is uh, we're not vegan and we're not vegetarian. Um, so there is room for the ish in this. You know, we make much more. We do the whole buy less, buy better thing with with meat and make much more thoughtful decisions. We eat much less. We're aiming for six veggie meals a week at the moment. Um but um, so so that's but you know that is seems to be a very polarizing issue and it's quite a big lifestyle change especially if you're talking about veganism whereas food waste um, if food waste were a country it would be the third biggest emitter of um, global greenhouse gases after the USA and China so it's a huge contributor to um, to climate crisis um, and 50% of food waste occurs in the home so like wow we can that's like oh my god but also really empowering as we can do something really really big about that um so doing a meal plan again it's really dull it's really grown up um but it doesn't have to be you know sit there surrounded by your recipe books you can just grab the back of an envelope and scribble down who's going to be in when who's going to need eating in normal times you know are there clubs that the kids have got to get to that means that making a full-on meal that night is going to be really difficult or whatever so you just have a really basic meal plan leave some white space for those days when you're just knackered and you want to pull something out of the freezer um but that will help to inform your shopping list and stop you just sort of buying too much um, and also put an eat me first box in your fridge so that um, if the stuff that's going out of date you put that in there and everybody in the house knows that they've got to eat that you know eat that tub of yogurt before they go on to the next packet um, and those sorts of things so uh, that's two things um, what would number three be oh just buy less buy um, you know there's this perception that um, living sustainably is more expensive and some things are more expensive. So organic food will be more expensive and sustainable fashion will be more expensive. And there's a really good reason in that we're paying a much truer reflection of the, the cost. These, you know, super cheap food, super cheap fashion is is the cost is being paid by somebody down there in the supply chain um, or by the planet. So, you know, there's a reason for that. But also 
the crux of living more sustainably is using what you've already got, buying less, buying better quality, um, and that will save you money. So actually, we were talking, you know, right at the beginning about sort of um, more thoughtful consumption. And that's really where we're, where we're aiming for. So asking yourself those questions, taking a breath before you buy something. With the kids, I will um, take a picture. If we're in the toy shop and they're like, oh, I really want this, I'll take a picture and say, if you still want it in a week, we'll have a think about it. And you can do that as a grown-up as well. You know, put something in your basket. And if you still remember it in a week, then, you know, that's, that's still ask yourself those who made it, where does it come from? What are we going to do with it? Um, but it just provides that stopgap because we've so much of our buying now is completely unconscious. You go into Lidl's for a pint of milk and you come out with a fence sprayer. Do you know, it's, it's kind of, we've lost um, connections with, with where this stuff's coming from. Again, that was the longest answer. <laughs> it was a great answer. I'm actually frantically scribbling stuff down here, which is great. I feel like this is a coaching session as well as a, an <laughs> Um, so change the energy supplier. Uh, I actually looked into that recently. So I am in the process Brilliant. of doing that, but I, I was trying to go for the, um, uh, ecotricity. I think it was, um, yes. food waste is a, is a big one. I think for a lot of people as well, because a lot of areas don't necessarily do food waste, separate food yeah. bins yet. I know our local borough is just about to start doing that, which is great. The buy less thing resonates with me so much. And that's as a family, I think if I reflect back on say 2020, I think that's one of the things that we did really well with the kids was, you know, to have them really think about what they want, what they were buying, as I mm. said earlier, about where it was coming from. But also, yeah. what do you have now? Do you really yes. need something else as well? And if you if you really feel you want this, what can you do with this that somebody else might be able to utilize? Because, I, mm. you know, what happens is they just run stuff into the ground and then eventually yeah. it gets thrown away versus can we send this on free cycle or can they put it on marketplace so somebody else mm. can use it and take value from it? Yeah, there's some yeah, great definitely. there's some great tips in there. I could t- talk to you about this stuff. All- <laughs> I'm curious, how old are your kids? Uh, Twelve and nine now. And how have they been on this whole journey? Do they do they were they kind of reluctant at first, or are they were they all in? Well, start? I think when we did the year buying nothing new, they were sort of three or four, and you know one, and d- didn't really know any different. You know, like we'd have. Um, you know, the odd tantrum about getting a magazine in the supermarket or whatever. But the, when you're that age, a 50p car from the car boot is as exciting as a, you know, um, all singing, all dancing one from the toy shop. And um, I think because they've kind of um, grown up with it as well, you know, they're, I've got two boys, so they're massively into Lego. Um, but they're quite used to the fact that Lego comes in a, doesn't have to come in a box, a sealed box with the instructions that can sometimes come off eBay in a, um, you know, a, a a non-Lego branded box and we print the instructions off the internet or whatever. Um, but it's funny, like I, I very naively thought at the end of that year buying nothing new, I'd have these two kind of mini non-consumers. And of course they were far too young to really kind of take it on board. Um, but neither of them are hugely, um, engaged particularly in the, in the climate crisis. You see some, um, you know, I see kids on telly doing there's a, um, uh, some sisters that set up this petition to um, get McDonald's and Burger King to think about the plastic toys in the Happy Meals and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm a, so much an awful mother because my kids aren't that engaged and aren't doing all these things. But um, I think it's really difficult because yes, as an adult, I'm very aware of the potential future that they might be looking at. Um, and I, and I realise the importance that they are um, that, that we do everything we can to, to sort of not let that happen and that, that they're involved in that as well. But also 
like this is scary enough for me as a 40 odd year old like do I want to put that level of you know I think they need to come to it in their own time um I think there's probably an element of like that's mum's thing or mum's dealing with that or um you know so that so that they don't have to kind of massively engage I mean they're, they're pretty good about um you know um plastic and things like that you know so I think they do take on more than I give them credit for but um yeah. no I don't have many Gretas and <laughs> <laughs> no well very few people do I guess but, it, yeah. but you do I think you do start to see some of it rubbing off on them though right I mean my my son uh, uh one of my sons is seven and he a couple of times last week said oh why have they put so much plastic packaging on that and I thought it was really good to hear him saying that mm. because it was unprompted and, and yes. you know, he recognized that that was a bad thing. But you mentioned earlier about emailing manufacturers and you know, think that for us, that's one of the big things that we've taken out the last few months. My wife does it quite a lot. She'll email companies. And I always think to go back to your kind of everybody's voice is small, but when you add them all together, they're big. That, that could be really powerful if people all started contacting manufacturers and saying, why do you do this? And social media is beautiful for that, isn't it? Because, you know, rather than having to sit down and pen a beautifully handwritten letter or even, you know, sending an email, you can just send a tweet, you can snap a picture. Um, I mean, one of the things that we we do quite a bit with the kids is litter picking. So if we're going out for a walk at the moment, they've got their own litter pickers. <laughs> Lucky kids got them for Christmas. And, um, you know, we'll take a bag and we'll, we'll do some litter picking. And, you know, so you could be doing that. And like we live in a town where there is no McDonald's around us for probably a good 20 25 minutes and we will find mcdonald's that people have you know just hoofed out of the car as they've been so you know you can tweet you can take a picture of that and just you know hello at mcdonald's i think i found your packaging um do you know and and it's just um if enough people start to do it we saw that you know with the whole plastics thing the whole plastics movement that was once people knew once you know lovely david attenborough comes and tells us these things and people start to pay attention then we start to see you know policy changes we start to see businesses actually changing because we've all raised our voices and we've gone this is bonkers like why why are we doing this why are you guys doing this so absolutely our voices are hugely powerful yeah and i think you you know your comment before as well about being the first step is just being aware right just being mm. conscious and and aware and then speaking up um so yeah i love i love that hey mcdonald's i found your packaging so i <laughs> one of the areas that i run around here there's a mcdonald's nearby it breaks my heart how much how much uh, rubbish there is on the ground yeah and that's right that's right next to the place as well so yeah they're not even cleaning up right next to the place and like you say unfortunately some people are dropping out the window but um but the litter picking is uh, is is a good one for sure i've actually i wrote a blog recently about how to how to mix up your uh, your family walks because in lockdown we yeah, everybody started walking more but after a while your your nine or your twelve year old kids are just like I don't really want to go for another walk <laughs> so I did I did here's ten things you can do to spice up your walk and one of oh, them brilliant one of them was give them each a you know a brown paper bag and go and pick up litter and see who can fill the bag quicker yeah so, yeah yeah you know, just making it making it fun and and adventurous. So. The other one that's a really good one is there's a, an app called Seek, um, S-E-E-K, that's by the World Wildlife Fund. Um, and you can, you know, if you see, it's probably slightly better in the spring and the summer, but if you see um, a plant that you don't know the name of, you can just take a picture of it and it will tell you what it is. And you can do the same with bugs. And um, so it will do 
you know, mammals, bugs, um, anything. And it's really interesting to because, you know, sometimes the kids are go, oh, mommy, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then you can all look at it together and, and see and find out a little bit about it. So that's quite a nice one to do on walks as well. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. So um, I know that you you started to, to kind of begin to monetize your journey uh, as well, because you have to, you know, you have to have a living. Uh, you can't just do everything for free all the time. Uh, and I know you have the book, but I, I believe you built a, a kind of a consultancy type business that is helping. Is it helping people or is it helping companies or a bit of both to kind of start making um, I always feel a bit of a fraud saying consultancy because I'm like I'm I'm my whole thing is you know I'm not an expert so this is just kind of my experience and um hopefully being quite relatable about it so um so yeah the Naked Mums Eco Club is is my sort of paid membership that's an annual membership um and people come and we have like we said we have a book club we have um a sort of topic each month we have small group we get together in small groups for sort of coaching to help people set goals and to have that bit of accountability and things um and we have a, a sort of private Facebook group where there's like a, you know that's that lovely community feel in there that people can come and share um I do talks for um, WIs. I'm trying to think what other sort of community based. I've done some school talks. I've done, um, I did one, at, was it last year for, or the start of this year for uh, volunteers for Staffordshire Police or something. Um, and it's the beauty of this new online world, you know, all these things can be sort of done online. Um, and then, yeah, I've done talks for um, sort of big corporates as well, you know, some of the big banks and things like that as as a kind of, rather than, you know, this idea of a, of a sustainability consultant who comes in and tells you, you know, works out your carbon footprint for you and talks about, um, my angle is very much more about employee engagement. So exactly almost this kind of chat, but, you know, as a presentation saying to, to employees, look, you know, the, these are the things that you can be doing. Um, and, um, and I just feel like it's another way of, um, breaking out of that sort of eco echo chamber bubble you know if you've got a kind of lunch and learn on at work and again you're not the sort of person who would actively go and seek out a green group or a but your work have got a thing on and you think well I you know I'll sit and eat my lunch and listen to that um but for work for um organizations as well I think it's more and more the research is showing that um sort of new grads and and millennials and things they want organizations that care and they want organizations that walk the walk um so rather than just being like well sustainability is is a bit of hr that we've sort of siphoned off and and there's these tick boxes that we've ticked like actually you know like we want to encourage you if we've got a thousand employees and you're all doing a little bit that's actually huge um so i, I think it's really um really powerful for employ for employers as well to be showing that that they kind of these are their values and they're helping you to as you're in, as, an, as an employee to live them. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the research on that is compelling. And I think that uh, these new generations, these, these younger cohorts coming through uh, have a totally different perspective. I mean, for a start, you know, you and I are a similar age and our, our generation, you know, our parents' generation, I should say, kind of tended to work in one place for the majority of their career. And the younger cohort coming through will jump around um, unless they find somewhere that really matches their values. And, and so, yeah, I think it's a great way to attract great talent in companies, but also, you know, you have to give people the opportunity, right? So I love what you're doing with the talks because, you know, somebody may come along and they just need to take one thing away from what they hear from you. And if they make that change and then they tell somebody else and that's how, that's how these things yeah, spread. Exactly, yeah. that, 
that's how the mm-hmm. kind of the plastic, the anti-plastic bottle movement really, really came about. And, you know, things like plastic straws and plastic bottles are much more taboo now than they could ever have been yeah. to be just three or four years ago. So that gives me hope that these things can change in a relatively short order when big companies and, uh, you know, people with lots of influence start making the right decisions. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, the family totally on board with all of the stuff you're doing. Uh, they, they, they love what you're doing. Um, or just sometimes does it get in the way? Does it create any friction? Um, like I said, we've been trying to do, I say we've been trying to do more veggie meals. Um, I've been trying to do more veggie meals and I just sort of haven't mentioned it. So that, you know, that otherwise you make a big thing of it, don't you? And then they're like, but um, yeah, I mean, I think they probably well certainly my youngest is you know I'll be like oh I'm doing lasagna for tea oh it's not a veggie lasagna is it mummy can't you do it (laughs) um so yeah sometimes and I think um it is just difficult isn't it that um you don't as a parent you don't want your kids to be missing out you don't want your kids to be um to stand well not to stand out you know stand out in the wrong way so for other people to be like oh um I don't know. I remember when they were at, at preschool, both of them, and, and, you know, they had holes in their knees and it was during our year buying nothing new. And so I was like, I, I have no idea how to patch a pair of trousers, but I'm going to give it a go. And then having this complete like, oh, my God, they're going to be picked on because they've got patches on their trousers and and the, the staff are going to like think we're really weird or, um, do you know, and, and so you're you. You know, and that, like the kids would probably love to go abroad on holidays and I would love to go on a you know a sun-baked holiday where I just lie there and read books and don't have to move but I, I you know I really struggle with the carbon footprint of flying and all those kinds of things so you feel and after Christmas or you know after the summer holidays when everyone's saying where they've been and what they've got and stuff and so it does feel it's hard sometimes to kind of explain or to you know we're doing this for you and there's that kind of short-term pain almost for hopefully a, a longer term gain somebody said on one of my calls last week that she sees it as a giant marshmallow test so you know there's that psychological experiment they did on kids like years ago where they said um they gave them a marshmallow and said right I've just got to pop out if you can wait and not eat that you can have another marshmallow there'll be two marshmallows when I get back and it was a kind of you know um who could uh, have the sort of self-discipline or the to, to be able to wait and she said she kind of sees it like that she's depriving herself is the wrong language but she's she's foregoing her marshmallow now so that her kids and grandkids can have their marshmallow later if that makes sense yeah it, it makes a ton of sense and uh, you know I already mentioned I'm, I'm a father of four and you know we're having these conversations as well as a family I think it is good because it does it does stimulate discussion you know you, you've got to talk mm. about it we, you talked about the patching up the trousers our, our version of that was I do the kids lunch boxes for school and my wife and I made an active decision last year that we we wanted to eliminate any plastic waste from lunch boxes. So we started, you know, putting them in Tupperware and buying in bigger bulk. And but of course that changed mm, yeah. that changed what we could put into their lunch boxes. Um and we kept getting, well, my friends have crisps and my friends have these and well, yes. your friends do, but that's not what you have. And this is what you're gonna have, and it's healthy and it's balanced, it's nutritious, and it's also good for the planet. And after a while, it kind of went away. It's, it is hard, though, isn't it? Because and especially I think as they get older, do you know, I sort of think, oh, you know, um, 
our eldest has just started secondary school and they have but they have school dinners so you sort of don't have that issue but you know you can imagine that as a 15 year old if you're getting out your beeswax wrap or your you know little pot of crisps or something you probably are going to be kind of you know taking the mickey out of so it's it's really difficult um and you know we are talking about litter picking we went and did a walk and and we found this sort of area in the woods where obviously well I say obviously it looked like where kids had been hanging out and there was lots of bottles and things like that and so we went back the next day and we picked it up and I said but it's really difficult isn't it if you're out with your mates and they're all just sort of slinging it out are you going to be the one who goes oh actually should we all pick that up and take it home with us do you know you you're probably not and certainly as a teenager you know I remember all I wanted to do was just fit in and not be picked on so it, it you know I think we've probably got more challenging years ahead of us as ours get older yeah no I completely completely agree it is so difficult isn't it but I do I'm an eternal optimist anyway as well so I see I see positive changes and green shoots coming through so uh, but it's definitely difficult with the kids because it's heavy for them and also right now we're we're a year into a global pandemic I mean their lives is are pretty hard already right the homeschooling the can't see their friends, can't see their family. And, you know, now we won't let them buy a, you know, a bottle of Coke at the shops because we don't want to buy a plastic <laughs> bottle. So it's difficult, isn't it? It's, but but that again, you know, bringing it full circle, that's what I love about your message is it's very authentic um, because you, you recognize and acknowledge in the way that you talk to your followers that sometimes you have to make those decisions and it's okay. But if generally, it's like yeah. the 80-20 rule with anything in life, right? If it, yeah, and I was just about to say, nothing has to be all or nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, I mean, I always, so my background is in kind of health and fitness, and I always say that about health and fitness, is if you are, you know, if you're good 80% of the time, that's pretty good, right? If you're mm. bad 80% of the time, well, you know, you've got to make some changes. But I think in society, we tend to be a bit binary sometimes. It's, we think it has to be either all or nothing, and actually the yeah. truth is somewhere in between is, is, is okay. Yeah. And that 80, 20 thing as well, like, you know, sometimes getting up to, so say if you're working on plastic, sometimes getting up to like 80%, I mean, getting rid of 80% would be an amazing. I mean, I'm nowhere near that, but that last 20% can be really difficult and you can beat yourself up about that. So actually, okay, so I've done really well with plastic already. I'm going to, now I'm going to look at energy use or now I'm going to look at food. And so if you can get everything up to 50%, that's probably better than just plugging away for those last really hard few bits on, on everything. But you know, like with the kids and stuff, I'm really rubbish at doing this, but my advice would be to try and, and you guys are doing it brilliantly from what you're saying, try and involve them. So if you are looking at plastic, like get them say, right, kids, we're going to do a, a plastic audit and we're going to collect all our plastic into this box for a week. Come on, if you draw me a lovely poster, they will probably become the plastic police and be like, you know, calling you out when you're trying to sneak a little packet of Haribo or something in the bin and hope they hadn't seen. Um, and then at the end of the week, you all sit around together. And if there's loads of fruit shoots or something in there, you say, oh, gosh, guys, lots of noticing there's lots of fruit shoot bottles. Like, what do you what are your thoughts on this? How can we reduce this? Or is this something that we're going to say we're not going to get anymore? You know, you can, um, and they might say to you, well, should we only have them at the weekends or should we just have them on special occasions? And then it's, again, not you being like, you're not having, you know, Coke or fruit shoots or whatever. You're getting that buy-in from them as well. I, lo- I love that advice. But that that's so practical and so uh, it's something you can execute, right? There's there's so much noise and and discussion around this that it can seem overwhelming like we keep talking about but that's just a that's a that's gold that's perfect if you're a parent listening no it really is uh, if you're a parent listening in what a great thing to do what a great thing to do and have that conversation with your kids so thank you thank you for sharing that i've, I've written it down i'm going to go and chat <laughs> go and chat to my wife. 
life afterwards. <laughs> We're going to have to make this a weekly call, Jen. Um, so <laughs> no problem. I love that. <laughs> so you've achieved so much already. I, you know, you've got this amazing group on Facebook, which is which is clearly going really well. A great book out there. I'm curious to know, you know, what's next for you? What what's the what's next on the horizon? Uh, book number two is coming out in March. So that's the Sustainableish Guide to Green Parenting. Um, so looking forward to, well, looking forward and slightly um, nervous. It's always really nervous, you know, putting something out into the world and and is this going to land how I think, how I want it to land? And is this, um, you know, going to be read in the the tone and the way that I want people to to sort of get it? But yeah, that's coming out in March. So I'm really looking forward to that and sort of getting out, that out there in the world. And um, yeah, like I said, I think my my goal for this year is to try and start to pop that eco bubble a bit and to to reach out and to try and um, pull more people in. Sounds sounds a bit. Um, I don't know it doesn't sound quite right but you know encourage and empower more people to sort of get started because you know we do we do need everybody on board with this and and you know really can you we right back to the very beginning when you said you know do individual actions matter like can you imagine if seven eight billion people believed that their individual actions did matter then we would really start to see huge amounts of change so um so yeah probably more of the same but being a bit myself being a bit braver with having those conversations I think as well yeah I love that and I, and I love that um that recognition uh, which is very brave right to say well I've got this great community uh, and it, you can I think for a lot of people they can kind of just get a bit of confidence with that and say well I've got this great group of people and I know anything I say to them they're going to love and they're going to want to do and you could just be really comfortable there but what you what you've just described is really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to say, well, how how do I go and get harder to reach groups that maybe have got more barriers to being sustained? Maybe they have you know low income, or maybe they just find these things harder. Um, I, I think that's that's really brave, actually. That's that's um, it's really brave and really powerful. But you've built a great platform, and I I definitely believe that you're going to do great things. So you've already sold book number two to me because <laughs> I'm I'm already first buy it. So that's great. But it, but it is really brave. It is really great for, that you that you recognise that it, it's not good enough just to sit with that nice community you've got. But how do I how do I grow it and get more people? And I think because you don't have a preachy style, um, I think you'll do really well with that. Oh, fingers crossed! Yeah. So you've already given us some um, some top tips for for people uh, who who want to kind of make sustainability changes in their lives um, because because of you know, the, the type of conversations you have in this podcast, before we kind of finish up, I'd love to know, you know, this idea of living more adventurously and, and optimizing the, the time that you have. If you have any tips for people uh, on, on how they can be more adventurous and, and follow their passion more. Yeah, I think probably what, what we said earlier about um, letting, you know, I, I, I'm a real kind of goal driven person. I like a deadline. I like a, you know, I like to have a, a measurable thing and stuff, but sometimes just, and I'm very, um, you know, product over process, you know, I like to rush through things and I can go, look, I've done this. Um, but almost trying to slow that down and to, and to be like, okay, I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know what the end result is. I can't logically see how this is going to work, but what's the next step in front of me? What's the next step in front of me? And just following, um, being braver about making that first step. This is, um, 
the same thing for for sustainable living in that you know you sort of think oh god if I'm going to be sustainable I've got to be vegan and I got to not fly and I got to not have a car no you don't you just need to go and dig your reusable water bottle out of the cupboard and remember to take it with you next time so again with that you know well I want to write a book okay so can you start a blog or can you start up a medium account where you can start putting your thoughts down there and just the process of you know hone your skills in writing um and see what response you get and all that kind of thing because that will help make you a better published writer when you do get there so I think it is just about taking chunking it down making it as small and as doable as possible and as unscary as possible and then taking a big deep breath and and taking that first step Uh, yeah love it And, and I'm smiling because um, you know, this is a consistent message that comes up time and time again when, when I have uh, guests on the show. I recently interviewed uh, um, Quinton Lake, who is a photographer who walked 11,000 kilometers around the perimeter wow. of, uh, of, of the United Kingdom. Uh, I mean, how do you imagine a journey like that? Well, you do it in two or three week chunks and you take five years to do it. And that's exactly what you did. Um, and and I, so I love that message because I think with anything, you know, think about somebody who says they want to lose weight, what most people do January the 1st is they quit drinking, they go vegan, they try to go running every single day. And by the end of day eight, they're exhausted. Um, And so I love that message of just, you know, first of all, just start, right? Just get on the journey. And second of all, break it down into bite-sized chunks. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Well, Jen, uh, before we finish up, maybe just uh, we've already talked about the Knack and Mums Eco Club, which is great. Can you just um, remind everybody where they can uh, they can find you online if they want to find out more? Yeah, perfect. Thank you. So the website is um, asustainablelife.co.uk. Um, I've got I foolishly started to to um, running two social media things, which is kind of killing me at the moment. So I'm at Sustainable-ish. Those are my biggest platforms, um, but also the new ones at Knack and Mums Eco Club on all the all the platforms or most of the platforms great well jen i really appreciate all the time you've given me today is uh, a wonderful story i think you're, you're extremely humble but what you're doing is is magnificent and uh you know the message is extremely positive and authentic well thank you so much for having me and thank you for what you guys are doing you sound like you're doing it completely textbook and um i love the how involved you're getting your kids and that sort of thing you're you're yeah um showing everyone how it needs to be done I don't. I don't know about. I. Sh- I should probably. I should probably caveat this. Full disclosure. I think we are. We've got a long way to go on our journey. But. But like I said, I don't want to keep re-emphasizing. But your book really helped us get that into perspective and recognize that the small things we were doing are really meaningful, and that we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves on yes. the other thing. Yeah. So, what a great way to finish. Thank you so much for your time, and look forward to speaking with you soon. No problem. Take care. Thank you for having me. Hey, I told you that was going to be full of great tips. As you can probably tell, I really loved that conversation with Jen and really appreciate her zero judgment style. She's really authentic and her whole message is built around this kind of aggregation of micro changes, which when you add them up over time and across families and communities can really make a huge difference. So we all lead such busy lives and Jen does a really nice job of breaking these things down and somehow making them feel less intimidating and more manageable. 
Please make sure you check out her book, her blog and follow her on social media. You can find all the info you need and the links on Jen's website at sustainablelife.co.uk. As always, if you can find the time, please do follow me on Instagram at One Day Adventurer and let me know what passions you want to pursue in 2021. And don't forget to use the hashtag One Day Adventurer. Please also click subscribe on the podcast and leave me a review. It really helps so much in securing awesome guests. That's it from me today. I'll be back next week with another incredible guest. In the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, and remember to live life adventurously.